Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. As always, it's great to be with you. Our custom is to always begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many titles. But most especially, Mary is known as the Mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is also the spiritual mother of each and every one of us. What a blessing. When we pray to Mary, the Hail Holy Queen, we address Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Let's lift our mind, our hearts, our gaze to Mary, as we say. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And of course we'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual guide. Our spiritual guide is the Holy Spirit. He also has many titles. Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. He's also known as the Gift of Gifts. Another title for the Holy Spirit is He's the Sanctifier, meaning He who makes us holy. Within our souls, the Holy Spirit is the sweet guest of our souls. Then other titles, the Holy Spirit is our consoler, 
in the midst of the desolations in life that we all experience, the tunnels we have to go through, the mists, the clouds that seem to descend upon us at certain times in our life, the Holy Spirit can dissipate those clouds and bring us from the tunnel into the light of God's love. He's also our, cons- our counselor. How important it is to have proper advice in making important decisions. The Holy Spirit also is our interior master. St. Paul reminds us that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy. So let's turn to the Holy Spirit as we enter into this holy season of Advent. And beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light in our intellect. as well as to set our hearts on fire with love for him. Let's beg for light. Let's beg for fire. As we pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. So my friends in Jesus and Mary, I'd like to offer special prayers for all of you. Especially in the context of Opus Dei. Opus Dei, which means the work of God, interpreted, it would be the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to pray.
pray that all of us would have an ardent yearning for holiness of life. As the deer yearns for the running stream, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord my God. Psalm 41, verse 1. May we yearn for holiness, which means union with God more than the deer yearns for the running streams of water, parched with thirst. My second intention, I'd like to pray for your family and your children, placing them on the altar. As we draw close to the birth of Christ, that's really the reason for us celebrating this season of Advent, the reason for the season if you like, is the birthday of Christ. In our modern technological, sensual, neo-paganistic world, there is a perennial danger today, especially for our youth and our children, to be absorbed with materialism, be choked or asphyxiated by the desire to have a lot of possessions. And these possessions can take possession of us. So I'd like to pray for you and your children and your family that your children come to the keen awareness that true happiness can only be found in God and all that refers to God. There's a bumper sticker that I saw that said, Wise men still find Jesus in the arms of Mary. I like that. True wise men still find Jesus in the arms of Mary. So insist in the education of your children in pointing to the reality of Jesus Christ who was born for us in the stable of Bethlehem and his name indicates his function. Jesus means Savior. He came to save us. And finally, our last intention will be placing you on the altar that you would have a great desire to pray more and to pray better. One practical suggestion that I would like to make for all of us is we might try to get up earlier to give our first fruits to God. Remember Cain and Abel. 
Abel gave his best, his first fruits. Cain did not. And God preferred the gift of Abel because he gave to the Lord his first fruits, his best, the best of his crops. Abel did not. May we imitate Abel. I enable. I, I would like to enable you to choose to be able. Putting God first and getting up at the crack of dawn and giving the Lord your first fruits, your your holy hour. Didn't say happy hour. I said holy hour. Holy hour. So. A little bit, a, li- a little bit of a recap of where we're at, and then we have these very rich readings for the mass today. Yesterday, I actually would be the beginning of the novena. This novena would be in preparation for the Marian Solemnity, which is called the Immaculate Conception of Mary. So yesterday would have been the beginning of the Novena. If it skipped your attention, then you can start the Novena today. The nature of a, of a Novena Spanish novena means nine. Nine days in a row. We go back to the first one, which was at a Pentecost. Our Lord ascended into heaven and the apostles went into the upper room for nine days, nine nights with Mary. Then the Holy Spirit descended upon them, transforming the church. We talk about Novena. We're speaking about nine consecutive days. Now what can you do in these nine consecutive days? Variety is the spice of life, they say. You can actually choose whatever practice you, you, you like. That, that depends on you. The ideal would be to try to go to Mass nine days in a row. Or you can pray the Rosary nine days in a row. Or you can maybe give up something nine days in a row. Or maybe you could pray the litany of Mary or St. Joseph nine days in a row. Maybe you could give up a telenovela nine days in a row. All with the purpose of giving this as a gift to Mary as well as St. Joseph. I say St. Joseph 
for this reason. Pope Francis, about a year ago, he announced the year of St. Joseph. We started on December 8th last year. which is the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. It ends this year in eight days. So we're celebrating the Immaculate Conception as well as the closure of the year of St. Joseph on the same day, December 8th. That also happens to be It also happens to be the patroness of the United States of America. Mary is our patroness. If it's ever possible that you visit the shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., it's worth it. It's worth it. It is by far the most beautiful church we have in our country. What the Basilica of Our Lady Guadalupe is to Mexico, the shrine of the Immaculate Conception is to the United States. The shrine of the Immaculate Conception, a beautiful, beautiful basilica. The very heart, the center, the capital of our country. So you're you're in the area, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Delaware, all those states that are very close to it, make sure that you visit the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. Another summary point would be yesterday, my friends, the church celebrated the Feast of St. Andrew. I'd like to glean one of the many virtues of this great saint. Invite all of you, myself included, to try to put into practice one of his wonderful virtues. One of the marvelous, wonderful virtues of St. Angel was the following. After having this encounter with Christ, which you read in John chapter 1, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Angel and St. John the Evangelist had this, spent this afternoon with Christ. Andrew was so filled with joy that he couldn't help but to bring others to Christ. He actually starts with his own brother. He starts with his own brother, Simon Peter. 
Simon Peter sees Christ and Jesus says, You are Simon Rock. On you I will build my church. Then Andrew brings Philip. And then, related to the gospel today, the crowds are following Christ for a long time. They have nothing to eat. So Andrew brings to Jesus a boy who has five loaves and two fish. And Jesus does the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish because of the generosity of this boy. But it was Andrew actually that brought this boy to the presence of Christ. Then there was another group of people called the Greeks. And some Greeks came to Andrew and Philip and said, we would like to see the Lord. So Andrew and Philip were the means by which the Greeks were able to meet and converse with Christ. And of course Andrew will die for Christ. Both he and his brother Peter will die as martyrs. And both of them will die also by being crucified. Peter will be crucified on the Vatican Hill. But Peter felt unworthy to die the way Christ died. So he asked to be crucified with his head up with his head to the ground. Whereas Andrew and Patras Greece was also crucified. But Andrew was crucified with ropes. He was tied with ropes and hung on the cross for a couple days. The cross became the pulpit of St. Andrew. And he preached the person of Christ those last few hours of his life as he hung on the cross. The name Andrew means manly or strong. Let's pray to St. Andrew that we will bring other people to Christ. That we be strong, faithful, and persevering in our following of our Master. Keenly aware of the fact that Good Friday leads to Easter Sunday. The cross leads to the glory of the resurrection. So may great Saint Andrew pray for us. Help us to be like him, a true disciple, a true apostle, a true friend of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Saint Andrew, pray for us.
My friends, we enter into the month of December. Still keep praying for the souls in purgatory. Doesn't mean that we end the month of November and we no longer think about the souls in purgatory. That would be wrong. So, we have to always pray for the souls in purgatory. Day in, day out. The readings today have a common theme. There's a common theme. We have the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25. We have Psalm 23. Then Matthew, chapter 15. What is the common thread that unites the two readings as well as the responsorial psalm? It is the whole idea of a banquet. Of a banquet. Isaiah presents a beautiful picture on a mountain. In the Gospel, we're going to see Jesus on the mountain. Isaiah presents a mountain which all peoples will be provided with a feast of rich food, choice wines, juicy rich food and pure choice wines. presenting to us the whole idea of a rich banquet in which we can be nourished and enjoy and relish and to savor this rich food as well as a good wine. All of us have had the experience of sitting down and having a good meal. Last Thursday was Thanksgiving. Or maybe have gone to a restaurant you like, like Black Angus or maybe Olive Garden or some restaurant in which you really relish the, the food as well as hopefully the company too. So Isaiah is presenting this and he's speaking about the Messiah who will come to save us. The Messiah will come to save us from our sadness, our slavery, our sinfulness, the bonds that are shackling us. He will come to save us. For that reason, this season of Advent is a season of great joy. But this great joy comes in our rejoicing in the Lord. So try to make this bridge between a, a rich, succulent, exquisite meal that you had. Maybe Thanksgiving. 
And what will be awaiting for us one day? In the kingdom of heaven. If we could have a rich banquet here on earth, in heaven we will be banqueting, we'll be feasting forever and ever and ever. Heaven, my friends, is an eternal banquet, is an eternal feast that will never end. It will be feasting especially on the presence of the Lord. In heaven, we'll be contemplating the face of Christ. We'll be contemplating the beatific vision. With Mary, we'll be contemplating the beauty of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Forever and ever and ever, and it will never end. So the first reading is pointing to really heaven. Pointing to heaven. My friends, I don't think we think enough about heaven. We don't think enough about heaven. If we really did meditate upon heaven, we'd be able to carry our crosses much more patiently. And to behave better. And to observe the Ten Commandments better. Let me give you uh, an, an example that you'll all, all of you will understand this. Okay, you tell your, your, you tell your ten-year-old son on Monday, if you really behave well this week, you. You do well at school. You don't fight with your little sister. You make your bed. You clean your room. If you do all these well, I will take you to Disney next Saturday. If you never believed in miracles and conversion, you're going to see it that week. That's right. I say, if you never really believed in miracles and conversions, you're going to see it that week in the behavior of that 10-year-old little boy. Because he's been to Disney, he loves Disney, he loves the rides, he loves the cotton candy, he loves the environment. He loves the clowns. He loves the music. He just loves the whole environment. So that week he behaves like a saint. What about us? We're heading not toward the eternal Disneyland, but in a certain sense you understand the analogy. We're heading toward our eternal homeland. 
we call heaven. Where we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. All the tears will be wiped away. Our sadness will be transformed into joy. No longer sick. No longer coronaviruses or headaches or coughs. Infirmities. Hospital visits, operations. That will no longer exist. Our health will be perfect. And our joy will be complete. Because we'll be with the Lord. So we should think, meditate more upon the reality of heaven. So this first reading is kind of a, a preview, a foretaste of heaven. Because on a human level, a good, rich meal is one of the most enjoyable things we can experience, especially when we're in good company. Sharing this meal with relatives and friends, and maybe our spouse or children. Think about Thanksgiving. We had a good Thanksgiving with the priests, a good meal. We saw a movie afterward. It was a great day. We really relaxed and enjoyed Thanksgiving Day. So that being the case, that being the case, let us rejoice in the Lord. As St. Paul says to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord, I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. And the responsorial psalm is, for many, their favorite psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms, so it's Psalm 23. And it is a psalm of the Good Shepherd. There are many antiphons. The antiphon that the church has placed is maybe not what you expect. I would have expected, The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want, which is the first verse of the psalm. But the church offers us another verse. Antiphon. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That is the last verse, not the first. In a certain sense, that's building upon what I just was explaining a minute ago. I shall live in the house of the Lord, that's heaven, all the days of my life. My friends, let us long... Let us have a yearning for heaven. Every day live as if it were our last day, giving ourselves totally, unreservedly, wholeheartedly to God. And all that refers to the honor and glory of God and the salvation of souls. That's St. Ignatius. The Magis, the AMDG. One occasion, Father Tim Gallagher 
in one of his many excellent talks, remember he's talking about desolation and um, he made a suggestion that I've I thought would be very good and I've used it in some of my preachings. And it's this. How do we cope with desolation? Well, we get we have the rules we have the rules for discernment of Saint Ignatius. He says make no changes in your spiritual practices. Then he says, he suggests four practices to get out of the desolation. Because we all go through the psalm, it's called, even though I walk in the dark valley. Even though I walk in the dark walk in the dark valley, we all have to go through the dark valley of desolation in our lives. Saint Nation suggests that we pray more. We meditate. We examine our conscience to see where this is coming from. And finally, we apply ourselves to, to some suitable penance. Don't tie the knot. Jesus said, some devils are cast out by prayer and penance or fasting. Father Tim Gallagher suggested this. You're in desolation? Spend some time with the Lord. Open up your Bible and pray very calmly the Psalm of the Good Shepherd. Psalm 23. Slowly, calmly, pondering the words of of this spiritual masterpiece. Indeed it is. And maybe stop where the Holy Spirit moves you and to relish. St. Ignatius says it's not in, in, in much knowledge, but in tearily savoring the truth is where God touches us most. Might be simply those words, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. You might repeat that over and over again. Let it seep into you like spiritual osmosis to sink within your spiritual veins and permeate your existence. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. Today, I hope and pray that you'll have a lot of consolation. However, it happens that we do go through the dark valley. But the psalm says, I fear no evil because you're at my side with your rod and your staff. You give me courage. In other words, we're not alone. The Lord is with us. With his rod and staff which which gives us courage. Rod and staff, which gives us courage.
So the Psalm of the Good Shepherd. You find yourself in desolation where the clouds are becoming dense and descending upon your interior life. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing, absolutely nothing I shall want. What a beautiful, heartwarming, enlightening, consoling psalm that is. That takes us, my friends, to the reading of the Gospel today. In the daily meditation taken from the Conversation with God, the six-volume series written by Father Fernandez, an Opus Dei priest, He pulls out three basic ideas that you can meditate upon in the Gospel today where we have Jesus in the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. And these are the three points that Father Carvajal offers us. And then I'd like to go deeper into this passage. He focuses his attention on one basic attribute of Christ in the Gospel today. And that would be, that would be, my friends, the great mercy of Christ The greatest attribute in the heart of Jesus Christ is his mercy. Pope John Paul II says, another name for mercy is love. It's the love of the heart of Christ. A short, concise, succinct definition of mercy might be the following. It's the love of God forgiving the sinner. That's right. Mercy is the love of God forgiving the sinner. In Spanish, misericordia, miseria cordia. Miseria means our misery. Cordia means the heart of God meeting the misery of the sinner. We see that especially in the prodigal son, if you like, the merciful father. The prodigal son, if you like, the merciful father. Mercy. That's his first point to Father Carvajal. The mercy of Christ. The second point he gives is we ourselves experience the mercy of Christ in the most abundant fashion when we have recourse to the sacrament of confession. The sacrament of confession is also known as the sacrament of reconciliation, 
the sacrament of forgiveness, the sacrament of God's pardon. But especially it's known as the sacrament of God's mercy. Let us in these holy days of Advent not be afraid to have recourse to the infinite mercy of Christ present in the sacrament of confession. The infinite mercy of God manifested through the sacrament of mercy. My friends, what beautiful words, consoling words, are the following. I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How good God is. How good God is. How merciful He is. And the third point of Father Carvajal is that God wants to give us His mercy. He longs to give us His mercy. But mercy from God is a, it's a two-way street. It's not a dead-end street, it's a two-way street. If I want to experience the mercy of God, if you want to experience the mercy of God, then it is incumbent upon us that we also have to be merciful toward others. That's right. It is a two-way street. Jesus says, be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. And if that were not enough, Every time we pray the Our Father, there are seven petitions in the Our Father. This is explained in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's the following. We say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So God's forgiveness toward us is dependent upon us forgiving others. Not that it's easy. But if we do not want to forgive our brother or sister that's hurt us, then God is going to be holding back his forgiveness toward us. 
I mean, how easy it is for us to be slaves of our own resentment. I repeat, how easy it is for us to be slaves of our own many resentments. We become slaves of our own inner resentments. You know, my friends, on one occasion I was listening to a Protestant pastor, one of my favorites, Adrian Rogers. And he presented the noxious, poisonous, lethal effects of resentment by means of a dynamic. What it does for us. Once we're able to forgive how it's, how freeing, how liberating it really is. And I invite you, if you'd like, to do this dynamic with me. See if you can do it with me. If you can extend the palms of your hands, I'll give you a countdown and then try to collaborate with me. Three, two, one. Make a fist. Make it hard. Don't open it yet. Keep it closed. Make the fist. Tighten your fist. Clench your fist. Harder. A little bit harder. A couple more seconds. Keep those fists clenched. Now, open them up. Okay, you had your fist clenched for maybe 20 seconds. It could have extended a little bit longer, but maybe it would have been too much. But you tell me. You tell me right now. Okay, when you had your fist clenched and you were gripping and you were tightening those fists, you didn't feel at peace. You felt tense. You felt ill at ease. You didn't feel like the one the way you wanted to feel. But once you opened up those fists, what did you experience? You experience really my a liberation. You experience a real liberation, a real freeing. In other words, you experienced allowing the prisoner to escape. As Isaiah says, I've come to set the captives free. That's the way it is, my friends. For those who are holding on to resentment, lack of forgiveness. And there are many people, many, many, many people that have been wounded, they've been hurt, 
And they don't know how to cope with this. So the first part of the gospel today, we see Jesus healing the lame, the sick, the blind, the mute, the deformed. All these people are suffering incredible physical infirmities. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If we do not come to terms with the inner healing that we have to go about by being liberated by forgiving others, then God's forgiveness will be held back. For that reason, we said the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And you know what happens to us when we're holding on to resentment, bitterness? Two things. If we tend to be more of an extrovert, this woundedness, we end up by wounding others. We have to be either become a wounded wounder or a wounded healer. We end up by wounding others. By our words, our gestures, our actions, by unkind words, by impatience, we're cutting, we're caustic, we're acrimonious, we're bitter, we're sarcastic, we become chismosos, gossipy. Or, or if it is such that we tend to be more of an introvert, we, t- we tend to swallow to keep things within. Then this can easily be transformed into sadness and depression. And often it's a combination of both anger and depression. We're living hell on earth in a certain sense. I've never really believed this cliche, forgive and forget, because I don't think we can easily forget things that happen to us. But we can forgive. And forgiveness does not depend upon feelings and emotions. Rather, it's an act of the will. I love what Alexander Pope says, a Catholic English poet. Alexander Pope has penned this immortal one-liner to Air is human, to forgive is divine. 
I really like that. To err is human, but to forgive is divine. You know, I once heard a story by Father Clifford, who is a Irish Franciscan priest. And EWTN would um, air some of his homilies, short homilies, which were, many of them were just gems. And he's an Irishman. He tells the story of an Irish funeral. An Irish funeral in which during the course of the funeral mass there was a man next to the coffin who was weeping profusely the whole funeral mass. After the mass the priest that was celebrating the funeral mass approaches the elderly man who was crying, weeping during the whole mass. So the priest draws close and he offers his condolences surmising that this is probably a relative of the man, that, a relative of the man who died. And sure enough, it was. And the priest asked, are you a relative of the man that died? Yes, he said, he was my only brother. Oh, sorry. And the grieving man inconsolably said, yes, I'm sorry too, because what happened was that we had a conflict and we were not talking for Decades, many, many years, we're not talking. And I plan to reconcile, I plan to to reconcile with my brother last week, but he died before I had the chance. And the priest very, very discreetly asked them, grieving brother well can I ask you this question what was the cause of your of your conflict your division and the grieving elderly man the brother of the man died said you know father I don't even remember I don't even remember How often has it happened in our lives, my friends, that mere trifles, things that are basically insignificant, can cause a rift or a division between us and our family members, our loved ones. And often the root cause is that of pride. So in the Gospel today, we see Jesus healing these sick people and multiplying the loaves. Let's recognize that we are among the blind, the deaf, the mute, the deformed, the paralytics. We are among these. We are 
sick in our souls. And often one of the sicknesses that we suffer most is a lack of a willingness to forgive those who have hurt us. So let us experience God's mercy by begging God's mercy for us, but also to be merciful toward others. Remember the words of Jesus. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And Mary is known as the Queen of Mercy and the Hail Holy Queen. The Hail Holy Queen that we pray at the end of the Rosary. We invoke Mary. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. I'd like to give you my priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.